Hello, my name is Tim from Signage Live and welcome to another episode of Digital Signage Explored. This time we have Rafi Vartian from MeldCX talking about vision analytics and the future of AI technologies when it comes to being able to implement better digital signage and utilizing the technology around us to create more insightful digital signage knowledge and, and building around that. If you are looking at future tech, if you're looking at kind of getting more out of your brick and mortar stores or brick and mortar locations, shouldn't be so specific to retail, this is going to be a really insightful one because it is the future of the way that a lot of this content seems to be driven. It's about pulling more from the content that you're building and making sure you understand your audience to really exchange that data, the anonymous data for what you want to deliver and being able to hone your craft a little bit more. And it's definitely the future of how we see digital signage expanding. If you've got any questions, feel free to reach out to us. Otherwise, here's Rafi. Welcome to Digital Signage Explored. This week, we are joined by Rafi Vartian from MailTX. Rafi, thank you very much for joining. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate you coming on. Do you want to start off with a bit of a backstory as to your experience in digital signage and uh, what, what you can bring to the table with today's discussion? Sure, absolutely. Well, uh, the digital signage experience has been pretty vast. Um, I was around uh, when there was big honking computers behind screens all the way through working with Jason and Mark and the rest of the team on the first initial system on chip screens with Samsung and LG selling into retail and kind of QSR. And now spent the last almost four years uh, working at MelCX on the computer vision technologies. Uh, we've got a lot of really interesting and fun things to talk about this market. Um, so I've been around for longer than I care to admit. Is that fair to say? Well, I mean, you and I even had a stint working together briefly, uh, so yeah. we, we've actually had an opportunity to, to work, well, not close by, I guess, but as close by as you can get for across the pond. Um, yeah. And your trajectory into MLTX has been so fascinating to me because I think it is that beginning of breaking down some of the barriers that digital signage has always, always had around being able to accurately give analytics to what's surrounding those screens. So um, yeah. I think it's really exciting and the opportunity to, to talk today about data and analytics and just how we can drive best digital signage by utilizing just analytics in general. And I know obviously Meld has a big history in building some really incredible tools, but today I almost wanted to break that down to the art of the possible. Um, sure. You know, what's achievable today versus where do you see that in short term, five years time, 10 years time? What are the changes that you think are gonna happen? So Absolutely. did you wanna kick off with kind of just going into MailCX and what the drive is today and what the hope is in terms of changing the way that the industry works. Absolutely. Well, I would uh, let me start by saying that MelCX is really kind of there's two big pillars within the organization. One is about device peripheral and application management, predominantly on the Google Chrome platform. We call that Meld Core, which is an application layer that sits on top of kind of Chrome, and it gives mm. you the ability to kind of plug things in and design your own systems. And the MeldCX name was kind of melding customer experiences. That's where that name kind of came from. The other side is the computer vision a part of the business, um, which is really kind of very nascent, right? I mean, if you think about signage, when I started off, oh my gosh, almost 20 years ago, it really was kind of wild, wild west. When we used to go to the digital signage expo, when that was really large, it was kind of chaotic. There was all kinds of players that were going to come to play. When Google came in, everyone thought the industry was over and they were going to take over everything, right? Mm. Um, it's been kind of wobbly, right? It's been real big innovations. And now we're in this kind of roll up and kind of consolidation period. Computer vision is digital signage 20 years ago. 
it's really varied. There's a lot of different applications and use cases for it. There's a lot of different ways to build it. What we're trying to do at our organization is learn those lessons or at least carry forward those lessons from previous technologies like signage going out in the world and saying, how do we shorten the path between the early adopters and the kind of mass adoption, if you will. Mm. So our methodology as MELD is to say, yeah, we can take pretty much anything that a camera sees and turn it into insights of some kind. The question is, what are the insights that are valuable enough for end customers to be able to take it to scale? Because we're a software company, we're a business, right? We want to make sure that it, it gets into scale. So we've been working a lot on what is the infrastructure that's already there. So we try to figure out how we fit. Um, predominantly, that's been about looking at security cameras and to figure out, well, they're not built for quote-unquote AI, right? They're built to operate as a security appliance. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to go into those devices and say, okay, what can we use out of this in order to create some level of business out of it? And that's how we started working on what we call our light proposition uh, to be able to go after things like, um, you know, QSR and kind of drive through places where cameras would be already, but maybe the data isn't. And yeah. so we go, how do we uncover in some of these data stories? And those data stories turn out to be something that's valuable enough for us to build a business on. Mm -hmm. Is that a good summary of you think? Yeah, I, I think that's perfect. And I think you raised some really interesting points there as you go went through that kind of intros, because you have to make it scalable. You also have to add some value where you go, whatever investment that I'm going to have, there is an expectation that that investment is going to be returned. You know, it's just the business acumen of the world is you have sure. to prove that return on value. And it's really interesting to see, anecdotally, I actually speaking to a colleague of mine today about Meld, trying to put into perspective why you would do something like that. Why the ability, and kind of a couple of steps ahead of this, is obviously that mm. being able to influence the content on the screen within a short-term immediacy, right. why is that valuable? And I said, well, if you're an advertiser, for example, uh, let's say you're a Rolex and you want to go and advertise Rolexes across the world, well, you've got two choices. You either completely bombard the entire network of screens at an incredibly high cost, and right. then you know, okay, that's 20 million invested. Or you invest 5 million and the targeted ads are only going to display just like you would do on LinkedIn ad targeting, Google ad targeting. It's all the same concept, but today... Digital signage doesn't have that freedom. It just has the freedom to say, okay, we can do it to a targeted area or region. And it just makes right. sense as the next step is to add some context as to where that screen is with live data. Yeah, the way that I guess we would say it is each screen, if you've got a camera above the screen, like we've got cameras above our screens, how we're talking to each mm. other, is a single point solution. So it can tell depending on what kind of technology that we're using behind the screen, we can tell not only generically kind of male-female level of attention. Um, for those that are listening, I'm looking at the camera and then looking away for eye tracking and things along those lines. Mm -hmm. So there's a level of granularity that we can get about this specific screen where the camera is focused on effectiveness of content, right? Mm -hmm. About A-B testing versus this color versus that color. And there's a lot of granularity that you can get that you can maybe extrapolate to go to different screens. The yeah. question that we're trying to answer is what happens if you have more intelligence about what's happening before the person gets to that screen? Right. Mm -hmm. So it's the journey and it's the pathway. And the easiest way to think about this is, is grocery stores. So grocery stores are organized chaos, 
where thousands of different products and brands and everything are trying to jockey for shelf positioning. The retailers are charging different things for end caps. And there's all this chaos that's happening. And you've got multiple decision makers and all kinds of things within that environment. Mm-hmm. Um, people that specialize in cereal or milk or, you know, there's different types of things. But what we're thinking of is can we make brick and mortar behave the same way that online behaves? Whereby if I'm going online, they might, wherever I go and search for products, may know quite a bit about me. If I go to my Amazon account or if I'm searching for something on Google, there's different points of data that says, oh, well, if this person is searching for this, they might also be interested in that. Right. It's almost like kind of like a recommendation, if you will. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to the grocery store example. Let's say you've got a screen that's right in front of the cereal aisle and it's promoting certain things. Well, I think Dave Haynes said it best than your last podcast is that you have less than seconds in order to get people's attention and eyeballs. Right. You're literally getting passing moments where somebody moves their head and takes a look. So we're thinking about how many times a one person might get exposed to an ad as they're walking through a particular environment, or if the behaviors that they've showed ahead of time, if they've come in a certain way, tells you that you might want to put something on the screen, do that instead. Mm -hmm. So that there's a level of intelligence, and it's not single point, it's actually Mm multi-point throughout all the different sensors and technology that you have within the environment, anonymously, of course, we're not getting into anybody's personal identifying information. But a great example that I have for that is that I am a mission shopper, right? I go in with a specific thing in my head. And if it's mm-hmm. not written down on paper, I don't get it. I right. just don't. And that's a very different type of behavior. If you can think about it, um, if you can think about how if you're uh, maybe a couple hundred feet up in the air and you look down in an open plane of a physical location and you just see people as dots, Right. If you measure those dots and you draw the line, I'm a mission shopper. Other people are kind of casual. And so you can try to see, okay, what are those different types of behaviors and how does the behavior tell us what business rules we need to put in place in order to put that content and trigger those things up there? Mm -hmm. So that's a lot more situational awareness than a single point on a screen. Yeah, that was I didn't want to make that too convoluted, but it's a lot, no, right? I, th- I think that's really good. I, and it makes a lot of sense, you know, because one point, you know, one camera is only going to know a margin of the story. Like you may want to go, well, what's the general age range across this entire campus? Because we want, we really want to hyper-target an event that's coming up or whatever it might be. I think yeah. you, you mentioned something there that we, I think we should definitely talk about because I know anybody who's listening to this that is, is new to them, the first thing they're going to talk about is, well, what about data and anonymity? What about the security thing? And I know it's been raised and discussed in the past, but it's well worth discussing here. Absolutely. What is what is done, what can be done to alleviate that concern you know, across the board? Well, the first thing that you do is you get a third party to audit you, is what mm. we've found. Uh, we've gone through what we call trust dark verification. And what that means is you go through a series of very invasive questions, much like penetration testing on a mm-hmm. network, same thing for data, right? So right. from a high level, get yourself audited by a third party that is industry acceptable. That's the mm-hmm. easiest way for people to go, well, if that organization is putting their name on it, then we feel confident in their ability to deliver those different types of things. Mm-hmm. But the second thing is that we talk about is Almost, it's a, it is, not almost, it's a philosophical mm-hmm. conversation about who you're trying to be as an organization. And what yeah. we're trying to be as an organization is a trusted, 
data provider to our customers about what's going on in their physical environment, which mm -hmm. means that we cannot take any personal identifying information. It is against our, it is against our best interests to know totally. who Tim is, to know who Rafi is. We don't care. Mm -hmm. But what we can do is we can make some level of assumption about behaviors based on all of that the kind of data that we're gathering in the moment mm -hmm. uh, and then get rid of it when the person leaves. So let me yeah. break that down for a second. Uh, so if, if anybody on this podcast have heard of like tokens or encryption, effectively, you can view somebody on a camera and you can instruct your product, your system to say uh, that person is wearing glasses and a beard and some AirPods and walks in a specific way. So that if I see that person again, I'm going to pick them up at the camera and assume that's the same person. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But we obscure the face. And any personal identifying information in the memory of whatever edge device we use, that could be a camera, that can be edge computing and all the rest of it. So mm. we're actively destroying face and everything else so that by the time it could ever escape or leak or get targeted, you know, to be hacked or whatever out of the system, mm. it doesn't escape the memory. We do it in the memory. We never store anybody's face or anything like that to, to a hard disk. Yeah. So we've got documentation around that, but that's the easiest way to explain it about how we ensure privacy. Yeah. We go overboard for a no, that makes. I mean, I think obviously that's best practice, as you say. It's because, because yeah. it's such a new fledgling technology or it's, just, it's not you know, universally picked up. Obviously, mm -hmm. the questions do get raised. It's, it's an interesting one to me because I don't feel, I feel like this gets under quite a lot of scrutiny in comparison to, say, your mobile phone in your pocket. <laughs> or anything like that, where, where of course. I don't know if you, know, you, you kind of just accept that everything on there is everything on there. There's only so much you can do because the product itself is of such high demand and necessity. Yeah. You, you know, you're not going to hit that. You're not going to go, oh, I'll dismiss that because I'm not going to use my mobile phone today. Um, it's the right thing to do, obviously, to have it audited, to make sure it is policed properly. And as, you know, the business around this grows, it should start off with that foundation from an ethos perspective, as you say, is a good ethos to have. And Meld and every competitor around there should have that same ethos because if you're not all working in the same direction, that's just harming the entire industry as a whole. Um, and right now it's kind of the proving point, right? It's a proving point. It's like, okay, well, yeah. if, if we know we can do this, if we know we can achieve this with anonymity, then at scale, when we do have those hundreds of thousands of devices, we're kind of expecting it. I mean, it's saying we have... Um, I'm, I'm sure the US has it as well, but we have ANRP, ANRP, which is basically like a camera detection for license plates. And it's the yes. same conceptual idea of saying, I know exactly where you've driven today because ANPR picked you up seven times on the way home. And if you went over the speed limit, you're going to get fined. So mm -hmm. there's lots of examples of this already running. And I think it is just really interesting to, you know, to t tackle and broach the question because I'm sure it's come up when people you know, talking about validating it. They have, but yeah. But the, the reality is, the benefits out long term is what we want to kind of prove and achieve in this. And I'm really excited about it because I, it feels like a technology that's an obvious no brainer. Um, the comparison that I always make it to is YouTube. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm watching a YouTube video. It already has my Google Analytics data sitting on the sideline going, I know exactly yeah. who you are. Here's an advert for NFL Pro Season. And I'm like, great, I'd love to buy that game. And that's the next thing I do. So, it, you know, there is there's precedent that it already exists. And I guess this is the future of obviously with meld and the, the way that it's moving forward it's you know big leaps and bounds forward in terms of clientele and i know we're not going to talk about any of that today sure. but you know do you see that this is the concrete proof of concept 
when we have these larger players starting to use the tools that will eventually trickle down to smaller businesses, uh, you know, kind of SMB level even, that uh, start to utilize it. Yeah, let me take a one comment that you made because I think it's really important to highlight and then I want to kind of answer your question. But the one mm. comment that you made about kind of the idea that YouTube has the information and it's looking at the playback and kind of making that suggestion, that's the individual personalization, right? Mm -hmm. Our field is not there yet, and right. I'm not sure that we will get there in particular because there's no baseline data. Mm. So what we're talking to our customers about, especially in like retail and QSR, is that you don't have any data mm -hmm. about what's going on in your environment right now outside of really antiquated systems like things like headsets and triggers and things like that, which basically sure. gives you bookends. It doesn't give you a lot of data. So... Everybody wants to get to this personalization idea. So you drive up in a local QSR for Vartian coffee, right, we'll call it. Uh, sure. And it comes in, it says, oh, the ideal is that it recognizes you and it gives you a, hey, you last ordered this and do you want to just press the easy button and make it move forward? Yeah. Put Pump the brakes on that idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? This isn't that. Mm-hmm. This is not that, and it, it may not be that for another five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. uh, that's That's the real honesty because at this point, brick and mortar is at an inflection point about what it does to exist, what it means mm -hmm. going forward. And so yep. we're trying to use the data to try to help them understand generically how people are interacting and how they're feeling with this stuff. Because if you go to the individual level, you do have to figure out who that person is. Yep. And we don't want to know who that person is. The best okay. example is I give is self-effacing, but it's fun. I drive a minivan because mm -hmm. I have two children, eight and 11, that are in travel sports, hockey mm -hmm. over here in the U.S. and, well, football, but soccer, we'll call it that, um, for my son. Uh, and you don't know, have to know who Rafi is to know that if you see a minivan showing up at the Vartian Coffee drive through at 4 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon, you probably have kids in it, mm -hmm. right? And then mm -hmm. you may want to use that business information to be able to put stuff on the screen that's quote unquote personalized, but it's not about me as a person. It's about the profile of what that vehicle tells you about who might be in it. And I'll go even further. We don't even look at license plates when we do our drive-through technologies because we don't even want to get to that level of quote unquote personally identifying information. Yeah. We take it in, we try to make the right the business decisions, we get rid of it on the way out. Now, of course, our customers have access to all of that data. We pipe it in and, you know, they get it. If they want to marry that up with transaction data or loyalty data on the back end, that's their right. That's their data. And those are their customers. But they're mm -hmm. not ours, if you will. For mm -hmm. us, it's just data. It's just information that kind of comes through. That's a really good clarifying point. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So it is the point of that example that I gave, it's, it's way too hyper-targeted because, in essence, the second-day user leaves that experience, it's forgotten. They're gone, mm -hmm. yeah. And it's, and it's one of those where it ends up being a difficult conversation where somebody gives us an edge case. They say, well, what if you leave and you come back and you wear a hat? I say, yeah, we're going to count that as a separate person, but there's mm -hmm. a way to deduplicate that with your transaction data, effectively. Yeah. So there's some idiosyncrasies around the topic, but... Uh, to, as it relates to SMB and how is this going to impact the broader market, Yeah, it's challenging, right? We're really at that first part of the adoption curve. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like how IoT started, where it could mean anything. 
Right. Because computer vision can mean anything. So we do anything from picking and packing and looking how people are putting things in boxes to quite literally looking at manufacturing to going to drive through and all the rest of it. They're mm -hmm. all technically computer vision, but mm -hmm. they use different technologies and they have different business purposes associated with them. And they also have different levels of speed associated with it as well. So some of them on the factory line, you have to make a decision within a third of a second about 16 different things. Mm -hmm. With data, they could be waiting till the next day and say, you know what? It's okay. I just, I want to know how my, my store in Michigan was performing in context with the other stores, but I don't have to see it like immediately. I don't have to yeah. be getting it real time. I can see it the next day. And that's yeah. a big point of differentiation. Um, how it comes down to the SMB is a great question. I think it's going to be point solutions per industry hmm. that um, bubble up and are valuable enough for the bigs, if you will, and the enterprise to take it and say, yes, this is valuable. It's going to move much like early days of signage. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. it was you know, when Bank of America put their network out, you know, 15 years ago, it was a big deal. And, mm -hmm. you know, you see other kind of banks that come along and then it starts trickling down and the tools and everything goes back down to the SMB. Yeah. But I don't think because we haven't had big enterprise deployments, it's hard to figure out what comes next. They will typically will. be the, the ones that break the back and go, we're going to do it. You know, we've, we've got budget. We see the value. Let, let's go and invest in this. And then. That, that's then scalability, right? The, the more these bigger entities start building them and you've got to produce more of these, this, this kind of configuration, costs go down, costs become far more, more effective. Absolutely. The whole process becomes a lot more streamlined and therefore SMBs A, can start to afford that kind of technology and mm -hmm. you know, more, more fringe use cases or, or major use cases start appearing because people just get time to play with it and go, well, what if I try it this way? Oh my God, the, ca the case study that we just built out of this was incredible. You know, we, we just realized that we've been wasting 60,000 pounds because no one uses this boardroom, whatever it is. You know, there's, there's, there's certain right. fringe, fringe ideas that just haven't been tested yet. I, I do find that really, really interesting because I think today, especially this episode, is, is going to be more targeted at individuals who are looking after large amount of landmass. In whatever form yes. it is, you know, whether it retail, QSR, manufacturing, whatever that space is, it's a huge volume you need to start needing to address to, to basically squeeze every penny out of that real estate as you can do. But I can see that in five, six, seven years time as this becomes a more streamlined technology and, you know, it's cloud computing a lot of it at the end of the day, that yeah. becomes faster, you know, exponentially quicker than, than hardware. So... Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that's a really interesting future conversation. We should, five years from today, we'll sit down and have the same conversation and just see how right or wrong we were. Um, All right, December mark, 11th and 2028. Mark Sounds it on like the calendar, that. yeah. Yeah. Okay, I hope we now, look as good as we do now, Tim. It's not going to happen for me, Rafi. I can already feel the, <laughs> the wheels of age are turning. <laughs> Welcome to Parenthood, right? Yeah, I know. I know. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think, I mean, that's really, really insightful. And vision analytics, and I guess the last thing that I wanted to poke your brains around, because I think we've, we've done a really good Please. job of digging into that, is, is you're, you're in a very interest, interesting position, I think, in the way that Meld is, to witness the birth of this whole AI technology piece and what that could mean for you guys and basically how you can look at it and go, huh, what can we do with this? Um, mm -hmm. what, how has that changed in the field? Has there been discussions that we can talk about that you Certainly. go, actually... God, it's a great question. Uh, 
So the way that we have been looking at large language models is almost an extension of what we call our multimodal environment. Um, so let me unpack that for a second, because that's mm, going to take a second. So if you can think about the way that we're talking about technologies, we're talking about intelligent cameras, we're talking about an intelligent edge, we're also talking about intelligent cloud. And the mm. cloud in particular is where we do most of our magic. We use Graph AI, we use a combination of of, of, of Microsoft and uh, Databricks and, and Snowflake and all the rest of that to kind of create these insights and kind of bring them forward. Mm. And the amount of data that we process is enormous, specifically as it relates to unstructured data that's coming from the camera, effectively. Every frame of every second is spitting out lots of data, and we do it at the edge so that we can take kilobytes up to the cloud as opposed to terabytes. We don't want to take raw video that'll kill the business effectively sure. so we take all this unstructured data and we take it up into the cloud and we try to figure out through lots of data transformation what the heck is actually happening mm -hmm. where are the cars moving where are the people moving contextually where is all that stuff kind of put together and we invest a lot in the way that that data is visualized so that our customers can make sense of it effectively mm. and bring that down and say oh okay this I see that we had a, a, a peak in service times at a particular location. What are the reasons behind that? How do I interrogate that? How do I get into it and kind of click around and try to figure out what the problem is? Okay. I've just described to you a lot of our development work where we allow people to click around and try to figure it out and all the rest of that. Okay. What would it be like if you could have a conversation with your data? Right. And instead of clicking around, you say, show me all the times that my caramel coffee was made over the course of these days. Mm -hmm. And then it would spit back an answer and say, here's all the things. And maybe the next prompt or suggestion would be, do you want to see the standard deviation of three of the length of time? Mm -hmm. There are 13% of them took X amount of time. Do you want to see those? Yes, that's my filter. Mm -hmm. That's my next filter. So that's where we... We think that the, the market may go where the data becomes conversational. Mm. We're taking all the stuff when we're collecting it. And we do our best to present it the way that the customers have asked us to do. But the reality is our AI and other LLMs and everything, when you plug them in, they're going to discover things that we can't because we're human and we don't have unlimited amount of bandwidth in our brains, right? right. So that's where I think it could get incredibly interesting. We're mm. already... Um, uh, working on some prototypes in the background with some of our customers of what that would look like. Um, it's expensive, though. I would caution all of us to say that um, the amount of money that OpenAI has raised for JetGPT is obscene. Um, and I say this out of love, not out of criticism. Uh, and these are very labor-intensive kinds of things. Mm. So if we're going to do it, which we are, uh, we're going to do it in a way that is specifically related to the types of insights that the customers may want about their data. So we don't care about writing a poem in the voice of Edgar Allan Poe about an ice cream cone. Okay. Yeah. We care about what is no, the data? Time. How do we interrogate it? I mean, it might be great. It might be a great poem, but it's not something that we're interested in. Yeah. Does that no, help that's... answer the question? No, absolutely. I think that's, that's really good. And I, you know, it is, it's such a tricky one because I think from my experience, and I don't know yeah. if anyone else has felt it's the ebb and flow of AI the, the talk about ChatGPT and other AIs and all these ones that came out is so 
it's so compressed, it's such a short period of time, it, it went from it doesn't exist to it's the world ender to it's yeah. now kind of tapering off to be actually this is machine learning, but just in, a, in an incredibly tangible way that we as humans understand, which is great because mm -hmm. I'm not a particularly technical person. So I can now, I now have a, a surface to communicate with that isn't a developer, that doesn't have a developer mindset that, because, you know, candidly, developers are another league for me. I just do not understand what they're saying and they all have their, it's their own language. However, yeah. I can ask AI, AI technology, look, simplify this for me. And even if they don't, and if, if they still don't get it, I can be like, okay, well, what should I be asking? And they can kind of twist it in that way too. So Absolutely. I do find that, I do find it really fascinating just to ask people that question because there are so many different ends of the spectrum right now because nobody's quite settled on a decision. And honestly, I think the honest answer is nobody actually knows. It's kind of more a finger in the air idea at the moment. Yeah. Um, the but most terrifying thing, Tim, is that the people that make it don't know. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know, but that's that's I mean, a little bit scary. <laughs> yeah, go, Pandora's box has really been mentioned. And, no, no, yeah. it's like well, I think they said like the code for it was so short, and again, to me, alien, whatever they're saying, but they say the code Seriously. to it is just like it's like a page, and I'm like, well, how mm -hmm. does that? How does that work? Was it just like? Is it like you know? What is it? A thousand monkeys with a thousand typewriters just happened to get the right code, and it just went boom. Here's the internet yeah. in communication. Anyway, I digress. I do find it fascinating. I can make a whole episode just based on AI technology. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I'm and sure so, it's been But I been think done. it brings up a really interesting point. If you don't mind, I'll just touch on this very, very quickly. Is the idea of kind of like what data are you using to train your models? Mm -hmm. Because that's really, really critical. So mm -hmm. one of the things that you saw with the advent of ChatGPT when it first came out is people were like, can I ask it to help me do bad things? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Build a bomb or, you know, do all the rest of this stuff or come up with something that's, you know, horribly, terribly worded against mm -hmm. a certain subgroup of people. And the answer yeah. is pretty much, yes, you can do anything you want. Um, we take a very, very walled garden our approach. Um, we do synthetic data training, we call mm -hmm. it, because you have to be able to feed models, computer vision models. You have to feed them visual data. Mm -hmm. Right. So actual drive throughs or all the rest of that. Um, and if you limit your model training to specifically about what a customer is looking for uh, yeah. and what the model is supposed to do, then that model's not dangerous. Yeah. That model can't do anything else except for do it what you told it to do. And then the LLM component on top of it, it's natural language, mm -hmm. large language model. That's what it stands for, for those that are not uh, 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 equipped to understand that, that are listening. Um, but you're really only interrogating it about a very, very, very specific data source. Yeah. What do my stores do? What are the parameters that I can ask? And the things that you prompt as follow-up questions are going to assist the further interrogation of that data. But that's all it is. Again, yeah. we're not writing ice cream cone poems written by Edgar Allan Poe. On the weekends and stuff, maybe. But no, I just in my spare time. Right. <laughs> I do. I do find, and, and I, you know, to kind of. To wrap up on that, I think, I think it's really interesting as a subject matter. And I think, as you mentioned at the beginning of this, is that you know, brick-and-mortar stores are trying to validate their, their presence versus a digital one. And one of the ways to do that is to just incorporate both. We are, for the moment, still flesh and bone, and we will want to walk outside and do things. It's just mm. the reason for doing that has dramatically changed from when I was a kid and half of my weekend would be going down to a shop to do the grocery run because there was literally no other way. Now we yep. get it delivered, but I'll still go out to the shops to do more sociable activities. And how do we influence our experience there in a way that we've become familiar with in other digital ways? Yeah. 
I think the the big thing that I want to give everyone is proceed with caution, be thorough, be thoughtful, understand that you can abuse certain types of technology if you're not careful, um, and that uh, have more conversations at the front end. So mm. this really is not where signage is, where signage is yeah. understood. It's even part... Uh, I remember having conversations with Jason years ago and where we were like, oh, my God, it was actually been budgeted this year as opposed right. to just pulling right. from somebody else's budget. Right? Yeah, you suddenly it's, start seeing a number allocated to it. You go, it's a real thing now. It's a it real works. thing, right. Computer vision is not a real thing yet. We're still in our infancy. Uh, mm. And there's a lot of ways to crack it. And there's some ways to crack it that are borderline unethical. Uh, we try to stay as clean and, and as we can and we get – um, I'm sure we can be better than even where we are, but be thorough, have lots of conversations, understand what you're trying to achieve, mm. uh, and, uh, really get stakeholder buy-in within your organization in order to proceed forward with it, because there's always somebody that's going to say no. Yeah. So talking to people internally about it and we've, and, and having the conversation about what are we getting out of it and how are we going to get it? And is this the right thing for our customers? And then also mm -hmm. for us as an organization, have that conversation internally. Yeah. It'll 100%. be very, very helpful. hundred percent. Rafi, thank you very much for joining. Really appreciate it. Uh, hopefully we'll see you in and around different events, things that are coming up in the future and uh, have you on the show at any given time. Um, is there anywhere, where, where can they find you? Where's the best place to find you? Uh, best way to find me is uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. There's only one Rafi Vartian on LinkedIn. There's no avoiding me there. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me uh, on email, that's Rafi, R-A-F-F-I at MelCX.com. And that's the same as our web address if you want to learn more about us. Perfect. Rafi, thank you so much for joining. Appreciate it. It's been my pleasure, Tim. Thanks very much again for listening or watching another episode of Digital Signage Explored. We're so grateful and thank you very much, Rafi, for being on as well. Hopefully you found that really insightful. There's a lot of potential future discussions to have along there. But if you have enjoyed this, you can always follow us on our LinkedIn newsletter by searching for Signage Live, or you can find me, Tim Baker, on LinkedIn as well. We're trying to make a community of individuals that can offer some insight and value to you and you know anyone else within the company that's looking at digital signage for the first time. So do feel free to share, leave a review, leave any comments that you'd like to. We'd love to hear your feedback on what other episodes that you'd like to see in the future. Thanks very much again, and we will see you on the next one.